What makes a great leader great? How do we create a high-performing team? And when we say leader, we mean everyone, because everyone is leading their own life. Will yours be a life by design or a life by default? Those are the big questions, and this podcast will answer them. Welcome to the Becoming Your Best podcast, where we help you apply the 12 principles of highly successful leaders, because great leaders will produce great results. Hi, friends and listeners. As you start thinking about wrapping up 2020, finishing strong, of course, in this this year, but also beginning a new year, some of the thoughts you may have are, okay, how can I take advantage of a new, fresh year? How can I become my best? How can I increase my productivity 30 to 50%? And how can I be excellent in time management and to consistently do what matters most while having peace and balance in my life? Well, the 2021 Becoming Your Best Planner is designed to specifically help you and support you realize those dreams, whether you're working remotely in your office or or in the field. You can order your 2021 dated Becoming Your Best Planner now to help you get an early start on the new year. Simply go to becomingyourbest.com, hit the planner icon, and you will receive a 20% discount. Act now to start getting mentally set for a great 2021. Welcome to all of our Becoming Your Best podcast listeners, wherever you may be in the world today. This is your host, Steve Schallenberger, and we are so excited to have you with us. We have an interesting guest with us today, successful entrepreneur and the CEO and founder of Ideal Outcomes, Inc., And as a business executive with more than 25 years of experience, he is an in-demand keynote speaker who has worked closely with Fortune 500 leadership teams all around the country. He is also author of Culture Spark, Five Steps to Ignite and Sustain Organizational Growth. So welcome, Jason Richmond. Thank you, Steve. I, I certainly appreciate the opportunity to speak with you, your audience today. Been looking forward to to our conversation and our free flow, you know, idea exchange to bring value to any of your listeners today. So I appreciate it. Oh, you bet. Well, thank you. And before we get started today, I'd like to tell you just a little bit more about Jason. And in his book, Culture Spark, Jason delivers a proven five-step plan that helps define, diagnose, plan, measure, and sustain an enterprising culture that breeds employee achievement and peak success. Jason is really a captivating interview who holds his audiences right into the moment of the time and his extensive insights into developing business cultures that cultivate employee fulfillment and long-term organizational success. Now, I've got to say, I'm pretty sure, Jason, that the things that we talk about today will apply professionally. But my guess is, that if we have some parents or grandparents listening, it may apply in a family organization. Would that be right? Uh, absolutely, Steve. You know, I in in all my professional career, I think one of the one of the key characteristics of my personality is I'm a continuous learner, and I and I think ultimately that's what drove me to do the research and publish my book on organizational culture. 
the one thing in my research and, and the one thing that I have found that has been consistent in every high performance culture is the level of authenticity. And, you know, culture doesn't just apply to your corporation or to your business team. It applies to a sports team. It applies to your family environment. It applies really to any group of people, you know, that you're involved in, even your social networks. Whether it be a Fortune 500, a startup company, you know, family situation, that theme of authenticity is still ultimately relevant. When you're deliberately trying to, you know, define and and maintain a, a successful culture. Okay, great. Well, we'll come back and talk about that. Tell us about your background, like including any turning points in your life that's had a significant impact on you. So, you know, what's your story? How did you get to where you are today? <laughs> yeah, after I after I graduated in college, you know, I was fascinated about travel, about seeing the world. I've lived abroad a couple different places. I had the opportunity to really kickstart my career living in Australia. I've spent a lot of time in you know Europe, all over the world, a lot of different countries, and just been fascinated, you know, about organizational and culture and how people interact and how they engage and the political correctness of things and, and, and all of it. And I've just really constantly throughout my work career, which has been primarily in professional learning and development leadership components is where it started. And like you said, I've worked with startups to, to mid-cap companies all the way to the Fortune 100 companies on different leadership and culture initiatives. You know, I think I, I think one big turning point in my career, Steve, and this is this is very early in my career. One of my first leadership positions, you know, I was working with my mentor, who's still a business mentor of mine today. I was developing a brand new team, and we were accomplishing great success in production numbers and sales numbers and profitability and efficiency quarter after quarter. But then I really plateaued. I actually had a business coach, my mentor come in and, and really analyze the situation and talk to everyone. And Steve, it's a funny story. He sat in my office and he said, Jason, he said, the reason you plateaued is because nobody likes you. Ah. <laughs> so, wow. you know, you talk about a really hard lesson learned here. You've been successful. You think you're doing the right things. But what I really realized <laughs> is that I had a couple critical leadership blind spots and those blind spots were really caused me to plateau. And and right then and there, I realized how important the level of engagement and team culture is to an organization's success. And it fundamentally changed my leadership style and tendency, my behavior. Right. Oh, my goodness. I'm so glad you yeah. shared that. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was very direct and it was very on point. And I think I challenge every leader, every manager in an organization to reflect back on their career and find that defining moment that that made fundamental change in their style or tendency. We we all have them. If we've been in business and we've been working and we've been leading, you know, over time, we all have those defining moments. And I, and even in family life, raising children, whatever it might be, I encourage people to reflect and find some of those defining moments in their lives and figure out what that's done for them. Right. That's a great invitation. So let's think about, yeah. let's talk about culture a bit more. So how do you define yeah. organizational culture? Let's just give this a, 
some words, a label here. <laughs> yeah, well, when I'm working with an organization, when I'm working with a leadership team, when I'm working with an executive team, you know, and we really start defining organizational culture, I start at the fundamentals. And I've got primarily six six fundamentals in defining organizational culture. And that's all about how we share information is the first one. And then the second is is how we actually communicate that information. So how we share, how do we communicate with each other? You know, the third is is how in general do we treat people around us? Whether that be peers, whether that be supervision, whether that be direct reports, but how do we treat people and is it consistent? Is it fair? The fourth one, and, and this gets a little more into operational, but it's it's the impact of our decision-making process, how we make decisions. And the last two is what type of policies and procedures do we put in place? And then really taking a look at how is our organization truly structured? Are we a, a top-down? Are we a flat organization? Those types of things. All those elements really have to come in play when we define organizational culture. And and that's really kind of the, some of my starting points when I work with organizations to really take a look at those six things and modify them. Okay, good. Well, I'm glad that you shared those. That's great. That's a that's yeah. a terrific starting point where we can kind of keep building on that because I had a number of questions, but but let's just keep thinking a bit more about that. So why is having the right kind of corporate culture so important? Well, and I write about this a lot in the book and and, and things, but in my mind, in my vocabulary, culture is really the, the DNA of a company, if, if you will. What does that really mean? Well, it can really differentiate you over your competition. Well, how can it do that? Well, if you've got a really strong culture, you probably have a higher level of talent retention. You might have an advantage in attracting top talent within your industry. Mm-hmm. Right? I, I really think when you talk about the importance of culture, I mean, you can you can Google impact of culture and you'll get over a million responses. <laughs> you know, it all talk about things like performance, profitability, company growth. All of these things are why culture is really, really is important. And if and if you ask me, a culture strategy is just as important as having a, a business strategy, an operational strategy, even even a financial strategy. You know, it's I was reading an article, uh, uh, some research findings. That said, you know, currently right now, 50%, over 50% of our workforce is disengaged, right? That level of disengagement in our workforce is, could potentially be costing billions of dollars in losses in productivity. That's why culture is important. It's, it's not a passing fad. It, it, it's something that organizations have to be strategic about. Is there a right culture or a wrong culture for a corporation? Nope, there is not. There is no plug and play. There is no here is my culture. It it has to start with the organization and what we call culture influencers. Right? If you take a look at any organization from top to bottom, there are individuals in that organization that that have influence. Hopefully positive influence, sometimes negative influence, but they're influencers. And all those influencers should take part in really defining what the organizational culture should be. I mean, ultimately the top to start with the plan and the design, what what do they want their culture to be? But there's a lot of successful companies in the same industry that have completely different cultures. Okay. There is no right or wrong. It's 
Are you deliberate about it? Are you authentic about it? Are you transparent about it? And is it a deliberate intent? And and that's where, you know, a lot of different cultures can be successful. What do you want your culture to be? Okay, that's a good distinction. I like drilling down on the culture here. (laughs) So what are some common myths about corporate culture and the impact they have on business? (laughs) Well, you know, it's it's interesting because, you know, I talk about this too in the book and I I, I just identify a few, but just more in, in conversational style. A lot of times you'll engage with an organization and you'll start talking about culture and they'll say, well, that, you know, HR handles that. Well, one of the myths is that culture is not an HR responsibility. Yes, they play in it. Yes, they have a part in it, but it's not solely, it, culture is not a policy or a procedure. So it's not just an HR initiative. I, I think another one is is sometimes people think if I got great perks and great rewards, that means I have a great culture. Well, a lot of times perks and rewards are a short-term motivator, if you will. Yes, recognition, how we recognize our people, some perks can be a part of our culture, but it doesn't really create the culture. They kind of come and go, mm-hmm. and they're pretty individualized. You know, a couple more is our hiring practices. I mean, you've, you've probably dealt with enough organizations I have that, you know, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hire the absolute best talent that I can. That person's attitude or, or philosophy might not fit, but we can train them our way. A lot of times people who are who they are, and when you're hiring, you need to hire for the type of culture you, you know you want. I mean, if you have a culture of empowerment, if you have a culture of of accountability, you know, and an empowerment and and decision making, and you brought in someone that is really, really, really a micromanager, you're gonna have a culture issue. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. So, so hiring that right type of people. The other one I, I want to talk about a little bit is the culture create, is created on its own. To a point, yes, it is. I mean, if you don't do anything about it, I mean, regardless, you've got a group of people together, you're going to have a culture. But if you're not deliberate or give it a little attention, pretty much guarantee you it won't be the culture you really want. <laughs> right. Yep. You know, that's some of the key myths, some of the some of the key misconceptions of, of organizational culture out there today. And some of the the topic points that I I get into when I work with organizations. Well, great. I've got a whole bunch of questions on this. I'm just thinking about banging around in my mind. And I've enjoyed uh, reviewing Jason's book, The Culture Spark, right? Or is it Sparks on the end? Yeah, Culture Spark, which I love the title. It's great. And he talks about five things that you can do to build a strong culture. And they're defined, diagnose, plan, measure, and sustain. When you talked about initially when we were visiting defining organizational culture, is that part of these five steps? Is that part of the defining part? Or absolutely, and I, I it's kind of a funny story, and it, it it's not a one time story, but a lot of times I'll start with you know fairly level high high level leadership team, and one of the exercises that I like to do, Steve, is have one on one interviews maybe with five or six high level executives amongst that leadership team, and have them describe what the current culture is and and what they think it should be. And if you put all those people in a room together, nine out of 10 times, everyone's in alignment. Yep. We all agree. We all agree. And then when you split off and talk to them individually and have them describe what the culture really is, guess how many different descriptions I actually get. Yeah, Probably Probably quite a few. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Right? So that element, I mean, it all starts with really defining 
what you want what you want your culture to be. It's no different than a operational strategy, a business plan, a marketing plan. What's my culture plan? And and what's the strategy? How are we going to define what the culture is? And that goes into taking a look at your values, creating cultural pillars, you know, really a cultural structure. And and that's the first step of the process, define. And then then you mentioned them, you rattle them off and then you go to diagnose where you get all the players involved. A lot of times there is a gap on what organizations perceive their culture to be compared to what it actually is. And you see that every day with, you know, engagement surveys and assessments and and those types of things. But it's pretty critical if you're going to address a business challenge, you have to have an actual analysis of, of what the current state is. And that's where that diagnosis is. On the diagnose, do you use some instruments or how do you do how do you do that diagnosis? Yeah, we, we introduce a, a variety of different tools when we work with organizations, different tools to help diagnose. We also use, you know, potentially can use different types of organizational assessment tools from culture assessments to engagement assessments, those types of things, but also provide a lot of different individual leadership tools for them to, to be a part in that diagnosis. So absolutely, there's a lot of different tools that we provide, you know, organizations and leadership to to help that diagnose process. Now, one thing that sets us apart a little bit maybe is, and and I'm a big believer in this. I don't I don't think an organization can bring, you know, someone in from the outside and say fix my culture problem. We're not inside. True culture evolution comes from within, and all levels from within. So. Our methodology is that we work with key culture influence people across the organization and provide the tools and provide the insight and the guidance and that behavior change and that culture evolution really has to come from behaviors and activities from within the organization. We help lead and guide the process. It's not a sprint. This is not a sprint. If you're really going to get serious about your organizational culture, it's not like turning the light switch on. It's a process, and it'll take some time for, you know, culture change. Okay. Okay, and from there, then you, I guess you plan, right? What steps you're going to... Yeah, yep. Who's involved? What are we doing? What activities have to be done? You know, what steps into place? I mean, even in the book, we've got a, you know, we've got a couple sample uh, culture plans, culture strategy templates, things like that. And, and it depends on, you know, really what what you're doing to defining, but, but yeah, then you've got to plan and execute. And in that process and step four is, is set some measurements. How are you going to measure your culture? Your, your culture strategy has to drive some type of outcome when, when you're really talking about a business culture. So what outcomes are you going to, are you going to take a look at? I always recommend not having 12, <laughs> but you know, what are the couple, three key measurements or outcomes that you're going to take a look at, maybe employee retention, maybe employee satisfaction, maybe employee engagement, maybe productivity, maybe efficiency, maybe profitability, but but identify three or four key business metrics that we can use. And we do that together. And it really depends on, you know, what kind of culture you want and, and what should that culture drive and then sustain, putting the sustainment tools in the leadership's hands. And this is really where that that frontline and mid-level management within an organization really plays. I mean, Steve, they're the they're the mouthpiece of the organization. They can they can take messages up to executive leadership 
and they're responsible for spreading the message down into individual contributors. So, you know, getting them on board and having them part of your culture evolution and having that as a communication piece, that's where the key is found in the sustainment of culture and then that frontline and middle management level. Good. Okay. Well, now I'm interested, uh, you know, with the COVID-19 and the pandemic, people working at home. So a lot of what we are used to before has changed. What impact has this had on, on culture? It's funny. I was in a conversation just the other day and and it, and it came out of the conversation that, that kind of the phrase, you know, Zoom is the new water cooler. Right? So you don't, you have less and less opportunity to run into the people and, and, and to have impromptu conversations, which is such a big part of, of, of culture, where now the big change in a remote workforce is management and leadership has to be a lot more deliberate in their outreach, in their communication, or maybe a little more structured. But it's a lot easier now if you're working remotely and, and don't have that personal touch. It's a lot easier to procrastinate. It's a lot easier to let things go. It's, you know, and it really has caused a fundamental behavior change in leadership to, you know, you can't really lead and manage your team exactly the same way. You've got to do actually specific different types of activities in our communications and and those types of things in our follow-up. It's changed, you know, how we manage projects, right? I mean, yes, we can all, a team can get on a Zoom call or a go-to meeting or a WebEx, and we can have project. Uh, meetings and, and, and updates and things like that. But things like delegation, empowerment, change, these things I think have all enhanced, right? From a leadership standpoint, I think they've all had to get better at delegating things and trusting and empowering people to get things done because they can't just walk up to their desk, right? It, it, it doesn't exist right now. So I do think there's some fundamental leadership uh, behaviors that are that are being changed. And I think the other big difference is organizations have to go back and maybe evaluate and look at some of their current or some of their past policies and procedures. Some of the policies and procedures might change, might not be relevant. And I would challenge an organization if they're moving to a remote workforce to just take a little time and say, you know, does does this policy and procedure make sense, you know, in today's world? So I think there's some fundamental things leaders and, and, and managers need to do to adapt so so their culture does not plateau or it doesn't, you know, take a step back. Right. Yeah. Okay, that's great. You know, one of the things I was thinking, Jason, I'm so glad you're on today because this had a big impact on me already. Now, you know, you think about it uh, with employees, so many working at home that uh, if they don't have the software built within already of how to do the things that matter most, you know, to be highly successful within their own home, that's going to be hard because they're no longer, you know, within the office where they have others to depend upon. And it is hard. And it, 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 the level of distraction in today's workforce, if they're working from home and they don't, they don't have that cubicle at home. Right. Uh, you know, so that, you know, that's an individual case with, you know, what is my workforce's capability? What is their structure? Do they have a private spot? Do they have an office or are they sitting at the kitchen table? It has impacts. And these are the questions and the activities and the things that leaders and organizations are talking about today as they're considering, do I bring people back? Right. 
Yeah. We've, we've done this now for over six months. We've been working remotely. Is this something we should just continue? You know, regardless of COVID or, or, or that, do we maintain a more of a remote workforce? These are all culture questions that are being asked right now in boardrooms. And there's a lot of organizations out there that, that because of this will, will maintain a higher level of remote workforce. Well, Jason, this has been a fascinating subject. It's been a fascinating discussion. We've had a lot of fun. Thanks for your perspective and ideas. And time flies. We're at the end of our session here. Any final tips you'd like to leave with our listeners today? My big tip is pay attention to your people. Take a little extra time (laughs) and ask them what's going on in their lives. There's a lot of unknown and there's a lot of change going on in our corporate environment, regardless of what industry you're in. And from a from a leadership standpoint and a management standpoint, every one of your people are probably dealing with things a little differently. Take the time one-on-one to find out how they're doing. Take the time one-on-one to find out what they're dealing with and be a resource and a support for them. And that'll help that engagement. That'll help help maintain culture. But but make a little extra time for those types of activities. I think that's my big my big tip for the day. Okay, that's a great tip. So how can people find out about what you are doing? LinkedIn at Jason Richmond. I mean, I'm I, you know we're, we're we're you know we're communicating all the time um, on what's going on 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 LinkedIn at Jason Richmond. Um, my Facebook page at Ideal Outcomes, okay? uh, Ideal Outcomes Inc. We're we're pretty active and, and staying current on our you know putting blogs and thought leadership and all kinds of things on our website, which is idealoutcomesinc.com or culturespark.io. So basically through through the web, through Facebook, through LinkedIn, you know, if anyone ever wanted to send me a direct email, Steve, it's just Jason at idealoutcomesinc.com. I am always excited to talk to people, you know, about what they're going through, whether it be on an organizational level or even a team level. Okay. Well, thank you, Jason Richmond, for being part of the show today. It's been a delight. Yeah, thank you, Steve. I really appreciate it. Okay. And we wish you all the best as you're making a difference in the world today and causing people to think about and improve their cultures. Uh, great going. Great. Thank you. Okay. And to all of our listeners, never forget, you too are making a difference every single day of your life. And we wish you the very best in all that you're doing. This is Steve Schallenberger with Becoming Your Best Global Leadership, wishing you a great day. At the beginning of this podcast, I mentioned that you can now order your 2021 planners. Uh, You're going to love them. They're 100% guaranteed. And you can uh, order those through becomingyourbest.com. Hit the planner icon for the 20% discount. It'll take you right to the page and you can order. All right. Have a great day. Thank you for listening. Would you like help to apply the 12 principles of highly successful leaders in your life, in your family, or in your organization? Call us today at 888-690-8764 to speak with a helpful representative to evaluate your situation and how we can help. Or you can visit becomingyourbest.com. Whether it's a corporate training event, keynote, workshop, trainer certification, or personal coaching, it would be our pleasure to serve your needs. Once again, call 888-690-8764 
or visit becomingyourbest.com today.